They may call it a digital journey, but you can't exactly program it into a computer. That's especially true when the entity in question is a community or regional bank in a competitive market. But often, being nimble is advantageous, especially when a fintech partnership blossoms into an incredible product. To see what success in digital transformation looks like, we'll talk with Christopher Marr, President and Chief Executive Officer of Ocean First Bank. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies, where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that will help you power smart decisions. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, the managing editor at BAI. Come on in. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Fantastic to have you here with us. And coming in from my home state, New Jersey, we have Christopher D. Marr. Christopher is president and chief executive officer of Ocean First Bank. He's served as chairman of the company and the bank since New Year's Day 2017 and president and CEO of the company and the bank since New Year's Day 2015. Christopher, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Offline we discussed this temptation to say that all digital journeys are alike, but yours is obviously distinctive. Tell us about it and the top lessons you've learned along the way. Well, I think, you know, the most important thing is trying to get a really good handle on what you do well and areas where you need to improve and taking the time to look to your customers and to your employees so that you understand the experiences they want and what might be getting in between them and your ability to deliver them. Our journey started a few years back when we did a significant benchmarking activity to get at that issue and understand what do our customers need and how can we provide it to them. And we went into that project expecting that our journey would be more technically driven or technology driven. But the single biggest finding that came from that was that our technology was pretty good, certainly areas we needed to invest and make better. But our ability to equip our employees with the skills, information, knowledge, and experience they needed to function in a digital world became our primary focus. We found that for all the investment we've done in technology, we needed to increase the investment in our people so that our people could represent our products, our services, and our capabilities with our customers in a way that they could appreciate. So I think the uniqueness about our digital journey was the idea that it's very much about culture, training, and the employee-customer experience than it is a specific app or piece of software or technology. And in terms of that, what can you share with us about the commercial banking builder as you've seen that progress? The single most important thing, and this is particularly poignant in the commercial business, is making sure that you're able to take the relationship you have with your clients and translate that into interactions of the highest possible quality for our clients. So they want answers quickly. They want clear answers. They want the ability to know that they can count on commitments the bank may make, whether that's about financing or a cash management account. So it's our ability to operate in this world where, yes, we know the customer really well, but more importantly, we can get a clear answer, a quick answer. We can provide the services they need on the time frames they need it. It's still about the customer experience. When a loan officer comes in and that client has a lending need, 
where that client has a sophisticated cash management need, may have to do international wires or something like that, are we able to quickly address that need and do it in a high-quality way? And I think the game changer there is being a extremely capable bank, so capable of doing the very same transactions you would experience at a Wells or a PNC or a Chase, but doing it with that personal connection and the speed and responsiveness that's expected of a regional bank or a community bank. We have to be both, right? We have to be as good as the big guys in the capability set, but we also have to be as good as community-focused competitors in terms of turnaround times and connectivity. Robo-advisors versus personal banking. It's traditionally viewed as an either-or proposition, but you have this hybrid robo-advisor service that resulted from a partnership with a Philadelphia fintech startup, Egg. How is this going to be a game-changer for you as well? Well, I think you hit it right on the head. I think the world had been divided into highly personalized experience or a robo-product where you know, you're just going into a machine and answering a few questions. And we think most of the market needs actually a blend of both of those things. So what we love about Nest Egg is the ability to reach out and service with a personal interaction. So you can come into our branches, you can use a video session with an advisor and get on the phone with an advisor, ask a question or two. But you can do that in an account that's delivered in an incredibly efficient technology. So our minimum account is only $1,000. And you simply can't go into our competitors and open an account for $1,000 and expect to have that. When you come into Nest Egg, by answering a few of the risk questions, by working through the technology we've assembled, we can pretty quickly get an understanding of your risk profile. We're happy to make an advisor available to answer questions. Usually that's you know, a very short series of questions when you establish the relationship. And then you're off to the races. You've got a quick and easy to use app on your mobile phone. It combines and shows you know, right next to your bank balances. So we're addressing what we think is this incredibly broad market of people that want to invest in the long term. They may not have the millions of dollars that's expected in a traditional kind of financial advisor role. But you know what? Their money is really important to them. And they're happy to go through, answer a few risk questions, use an automated tool. But they love being able to just reach out, maybe have a quick conversation. So we've been very pleased. We think we're addressing a great market and we're very bullish on it. If I had a few extra dollars, I'd be investing right away through that portal. One of the challenges I would have to imagine is you've got this tool that is on the forefront of what needs to happen in financial services, but you need to get the word out as well. How are you approaching that? You know, you hit a really important point, and I think many times the biggest challenge we have is the level of our products and services is exceptional, but the public perception is maybe not caught up to that. So, you know, we compete with folks that have marketing budgets that are just dramatically larger than we would ever be able to efficiently provide. So getting the word out is important, and that's where we got back. I started out talking about the customer and the employee journey. We need to have the kinds of employees and the kinds of customer experiences where we're making our market understand that our products are absolutely as good or better than what you're going to get when you walk into the largest national players. And we have to do that through our people. It's really going to connect. Since our founding in 1902, we've been a people-centric business. If we have those interactions in the branch that delight our customers, inspire our customers, and they share with them, hey, you you have to go see 
Sally or John down at the local branch or, you know where I put my money? Look, I put this into nest egg and look what it's doing for me. I can show it to you on my phone. So it's a little more guerrilla tactics on our part, but it's working. It's working. It's just building out that perception. It's a big time for M&As. You've just completed one with Sunbank Corp. How have you tried to strike this balance between melding into another bank, even as you continue to grow? I think there's a fundamentally important principle here, and that is acquiring another business will not help you unless your own business is very strong. So the most important thing is continuing to run our business in a way that is favorably received by our customers and in the market. And in fact, when you're looking for a partner in the acquisition world, you typically look for someone that you respect, admire, and who you think is going to be good for your customers and your employees. So I think having a strong standalone bank is the most important fundamental thing we can do. That makes us a wonderful potential partner because people will look and say, wow, if I combine with Ocean First, I can give my customers access to Nestec. I can give my customers access to, we have a digital checking product called Amigo. I can give my customers access to our trust services, to our commercial banking. So it's really important that it's not one or the other where you choose to grow either by acquisition or organically. You have to run a great business. That's half the battle. The other half of the battle, as I talked earlier about the importance of the employee, when you acquire a banking business, you're no longer acquiring it because they have branches located in the best corners of the best towns in the best markets. You're acquiring them because they have the relationships that they can bring into the company and bring into the family, which means you better preserve the people, the relationships that matter. You have to put your kid gloves on and make sure that you're bringing these employees into your organization in the best way possible. And that's the challenge. It's a cultural challenge of making sure you integrate these things thoughtfully. You're respectful to your own employees as well as your customers. The two things I always think about is, A, you better have a good foundation, a good business, good products, a lot to offer a partner. And then when you do it, you better do it right. You better communicate clearly. You better be upfront and respectful to people. So that's worked for us. We've completed five whole bank acquisitions, and we're certainly out looking. And if we had the opportunity to do more, we will. Wow. Just such an enlightened view. We know that the great business platform is essential in financial services. Not always that emphasis put on the relationships, though, with employees and the relationships they have with customers. What a game changer that is. And just want to commend you for having an eye on that. It is really a different forward-thinking way of looking at things. We learned early on that if you're acquiring a company, you're acquiring it because of its customers and its business. We announce an acquisition tomorrow. The customers of that company are going to immediately ask one question. They're going to walk into the branches. They're going to call the call center. They're going to call their commercial lender, and they're going to say, how does this impact you? And will this still be the same experience that I used to enjoy and the reason that I chose you to be my bank? And often it's in the early hours of announcing an acquisition that we put the acquired company, the acquired employees into a position to understand how they're going to be able to continue to serve their customers. And the customers want to know one thing. They don't care what the name of the bank is on the building. They care greatly about their commercial lender, their branch manager, their drive-up teller. And if we can handle that properly, then the game's won. Quality. 
You have delivered it today and then some. I hope people listening take to heart the example that you have set for the industry. Christopher, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Christopher Marr is president and chief executive officer of Ocean First Bank. You can look for Christopher on LinkedIn. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one, with digital transformation, start by getting a good handle on these categories. A, what you do well, B, where you need to improve, and C, how you can serve employees and customers alike. That's not just tech-driven, but embraces employee skills, education, knowledge, and expertise. Digital transformation in sum also means increasing investment in your people and culture. Number two, with loans and businesses involving commercial clients, make no mistake, it's still about customer experience. Can you quickly address needs in a high quality way? The game changer is to be a capable bank, as good as the major players, but as focused on personalized service as community bank competitors. And number three, getting the word out about a bleeding edge product or service means creating something exceptional, but then figuring out creative ways to market it, especially when budgets to do that are limited. The key, it's always, always your people and their capability to delight and excite customers. Call it guerrilla tactics of the most creative, positive order, if you will. In other words, relationships matter. Relationships win. And now BAI Banking Strategies presents My 21-Year-Old Self, where our podcast guest talks about what they were like at 21, life as an emerging leader, and the advice they give themselves today. The athletic spirit, the competitive nature, the work ethic. Is it enough to achieve success? Not quite. As Christopher Marr describes it, his 21-year-old self had to learn the essential lesson of taking in wisdom from peers and business superiors. It's all about the strength of team play and relationships, a value he brings to his work and life this very day. Listen. Probably the piece of advice I would give, and I would hope that maybe I would have been enlightened enough to take it, is that I think we're all on a journey where we tend to focus more on ourselves and individual contributions as we're younger. You know, I participated in athletics and things like that, and you develop a competitive nature, and you work hard, and you want to be successful. And at age 21, I was less open to understanding how other people could help me be successful and how much I had to learn from people who had been down that road before and what the value was of working with people in a group or a more collective manner to try and get things done. And I think as I've gone through my career, I've had experiences where people have taught me incredible lessons, where peers, bosses, some of the folks I worked with at every level have made me better at what I do and have made the organizations I work for much more successful when people come together as a group to achieve something. So probably not alone at age 21 being more centered on myself and what I was doing and, you know, and what I thought I knew at the time, which was I didn't know as much as I thought. But that's what I tell my 21 year old self, you know, realize that there are people out here that can teach you a great deal 
and that when you cooperate with them, are going to help you be much more successful than you ever could be alone. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast. We hope to have you back with us very soon. Be sure to check out our ever-growing archive of podcasts at BAI.org. Our producer, as always, is James Grady. Be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Lou Carloso, the managing editor at BAI. We'll see you soon. So long.